UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. I have an intro, I have a small intro. I don't, I don't know if we're live or what. Welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest with me tonight. Um, I have with me an author who's really experienced real paranormal phenomena. I have with me um, Patrick Meachin. He's what you would say pretty much like a deliverance minister. Um, he rids people from hauntings like evil spirits, demons, you know, all that stuff. Um, a little bit more about his bio. Um, he's written two books on true stories about the paranormal he experienced in two consecutive yet unrelated haunted houses. His perspective is from a Christian spiritual warfare, warfare perspective, excuse me. In other words, exorcism and deliverance ministry. He has helped others with their haunted houses as well or performed exorcisms. He's had many experiences regarding the paranormal and how it trusted to or trusted to exorcism and spiritual warfare. He can just, he's going to be discussing his books which are called 225th Street and Nightmare in Holmes County. And uh, I want to give him a big warm welcome to the show. Patrick, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me on. It's a privilege to be on your program. Yeah, and just for the fans, sorry, we didn't we mean to cause a, a mix-up. But we were, we, I, I thought we were just going to pre-record this, but I, then we just, you know, so, but, but, but anyway, we're last, we're live, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Um, let me ask you this, like, where did, where did this take place and how did it all start? For, for me, I mean, you know, I've had little weird experiences throughout my life. Um, you know, I always believed in the demonic realm, always believed in the angels and God and Jesus and everything. So I was raised in church. So that, that was always part of my life. And I had little experiences. I, as I look back now, I'm like, yeah, that was probably divine intervention or, yeah, that experience was pretty weird, too. You know, that may not have been that, that may have been something dark, you know. But not to the level of actually experiencing haunting, which I think it takes everything to a completely different level um, as far as spiritual warfare is concerned. Um, mine all began um, in, uh, in technically in Holmes County in uh, 2001 after 9-11 in that fall, me and my now ex-wife uh, purchased a piece of land and uh you know, we wanted to build our dream home and uh, we were actually looking at a piece of land in Wayne County and the builder referred us to a piece of land in Holmes County that he thought would be a better. Uh, you Is know, this, option. you're in Pennsylvania, right? I'm in Ohio. Okay. You're in Ohio. Okay. Mm -hmm. that, that's, there's a lot of Amish there, right? That's what this yes. gets into, right? 
because there's, there's a lot here in I live in Pittsburgh, by the way. I'm I'm right near okay. you, so I, I, we have a lot here too. Like um, more more out more towards Philadelphia, I think, like mm -hmm. or, or Lancaster. But yeah. they're definitely they're 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 here too, and it's um. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, there's 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 a lot, you know, and uh, so you know, I was aware of the Amish. I didn't know a whole lot about them. But, you know, um, I'd seen them throughout my life. You know, there was a small town not far from me called Sugar Creek that's in Tuscarawas County. And, and they had Amish and whatnot, you know. But uh, I just assumed that when we built that house and moved out there, that the land was beautiful. The countryside was beautiful. So I was, you know, expecting, man, this is going to be perfect. It's going to be nice and peaceful. It's going to be quiet. And, you know, we're going to live here happily ever after. That's basically what I thought was going to happen, you know. And uh, a lot of strange things started fairly early on. Uh, they broke ground um, early in 2002. And uh, they had the house completely uh, framed up. The basement was done. So they had the footer poured, the basement walls up. They had the house completely framed. All the side walls were nailed on, you know. And uh, I got a call one Saturday night in March. And it was the builder. And he said, I, I'm sorry for calling you at work. I was at work when he called me. He said, I didn't have the heart to tell your wife this, but he said, your house was demolished. He said, a storm came through and it's completely flattened. So, oh my God. Yeah, was so it a tornado, he, I guess? It wasn't a tornado. It was just strong winds. It was just a, a bad storm. Now, wow. as strange as that is, though, the builder, um, he was in his 60s. He had been raised Amish and left the Amish church. So being that he had been raised Amish, I mean, his, his whole life, he had pretty much been working construction. And he said, um, I have never, he kept saying this, I have never seen anything like this. And that's kind of interesting right there. It's kind of like, well, that is kind of strange as long as you've been building and you've never seen anything like this. Well, but yeah, was, but do you think that meant something else in the, in, the, in the far end of your hauntings? Like, do you think something was going on with that? place yeah. too like do you think something might do you think you might have like a bad luck patch or something i think that was a sign of what was to come um okay you know we broke ground there and we you know started building a house and as i as i start telling you more of the story it's all the pieces are going to fit and it is um it, it's it's pretty interesting how all the puzzle pieces fit together in the end but um you know they ended up they hauled away all the old wood and sold it off and and he started over and they framed it all up again and, and started building and uh, we ended up getting into the house in uh i believe late august or early september and uh you know there were some strange things even while it was being built okay we did all of the woodwork ourselves as far as we stained everything we varnished everything ourselves we painted the whole interior of the house ourselves just to save money and um a lot of nights I would go out there after work and I'd be alone in this house in the middle of nowhere. It was surrounded by Amish farms. So, you know, there, there wasn't even a safety light down in the bottom of the yard at that time. There was, a, you know, pitch black out there, you know. And um, I would have very strange feelings that I was being watched when I was uh, working. And it was to the point that I started taking, uh, I would take a boom box and I would take worship CDs and I would play, you know, like worship music. I remember specifically Daryl Evans and Jars of Clay or whoever 
I remember like listening to that because, okay, when I listened to the worship music, it kind of took the edge off of the weird feeling I had, you know, and, um, you know, it was just kind of strange. And then uh, one day I showed up on my way to work. I stopped to check on the builder and his crew. And um, there was this really strange individual that worked for the builder. And uh, he was just a very different individual. And he was sitting there in in the garage, you know, with his lunchbox and everything. And uh, he was not talking. His uh, he looked extremely uncomfortable. His eyes were real big, like something was eating at him. You could just tell something's not right with him today. And the the, the builders talking to me, and all of a sudden, this guy says, uh, "In the book, I named him Abe. I mean, I by all rights could have told his real name. Uh, everything I say about him's true." And you know, he's been in trouble, uh, you know, in other ways and whatnot anyway, but I was kind and changed his name to Abe and he's sitting there very uncomfortable. And all of a sudden he blurts out, there was a man here last night. Now his house sat up on a hill that oversaw the valley where our house was. And, um, I, when he said it, I was thinking, okay, my wife, had one of her friends and then friend's new boyfriend. She was showing him the house or something. So that's all it was. You know, I said, oh, no, I, that, that, that was nothing. That was, you know, they were showing, you know, some of our friends the house. He said, that's not what I'm talking about. So he was obviously aware of that as well. <laughs> I'm sure he was watching the house. But um, he said that he had to take his car to a garage to get worked on the night before. And he said it was a shortcut to cut down our township road we lived on to get out to Route 62 where the garage was that was working on his car. And he said that when he drove by the house on the way to the garage, he said there was a man standing in the in all the high brush and the weeds at the edge of the property watching your house. And he said he was so scary looking that I I had to walk home. And he said, instead of walking the shortcut home, I walked the long way, which is, you know, a couple miles probably out of his way. Oh, my God. That's that's freaky, right? Yeah. yeah. He said, I walked the long way to get home because I did not want to walk by that guy by myself. And I said, well, hey, I said, I have guns. If somebody messes with my my wife or me, they're getting shot. and, And he got a kind of a scared look on his face when I said that. And then the builder said, well, that's right. A man's got to protect his family. Well, as it turned out, that individual had been known to sneak into people's houses, hide and watch women, watch young girls. He'd been caught repeatedly doing that. He's very well known in Holmes County for that. Because his family's Amish, he's not Amish. He jumped the fence. That means he left the Amish church. But because of that, he never gets prosecuted. So they let the Amish handle their problem, and they're not. You know, So he's been caught repeatedly spying on people. He's a voyeur. He hides in their houses, just very weird behavior. But I do believe his story, you know, in the, in the end of everything, when I look back, I'm like, you know, I still think that he was telling the truth about that. You know, he didn't really have anything to gain by saying that. And he was extremely uncomfortable when he was uh, sitting there before he told me that, you know? So I just thought it was strange. And, uh, you know, we end up, you know, we get into the house and uh, the house was beautiful. I mean, it was they, it was built exactly to the specs that we wanted and how we wanted it laid out and everything. But I started having, you know, little weird things, strange noises. And uh, my wife would say, when you're at work and I'm at home alone, I hear noises. 
and something's wrong. And she said, um, it sounds like the house is haunted. And uh, so we ended up hiring a, a some house or building inspectors uh, to come in and uh, basically evaluate the the building, uh, you know, the structure and was was uh, everything done properly when it was built. And they pointed out several major problems that the builder took shortcuts on. Now, the strange thing with that was in other areas, the builder went all out and went did an extremely good job. And then he took shortcuts in really weird areas. And, you know, I was going to go after him to get it fixed. We hired an attorney. The attorney was an assistant prosecutor in Holmes County. After he took quite a bit of our money, he just quit returning our phone calls. And I come to realize that he's not going to go against this guy because this guy subcontracts to the Amish. And he's not going to go against the Amish. So... Basically, I ended up finding a couple of gentlemen that I went to church with, really good guys, uh, older gentlemen that had worked construction for years and years. And um, I hired them. They came and fixed everything. They did an excellent job. So I was like, okay, good. Everything's done. So beginning of 2003 now, you know, about by Easter time, everything was fixed and we were good to go, you know. And um, so the noises stopped for the most part, although like really overwhelming scary sounding noises all stopped and one night uh this was in the spring of 2003 uh, my wife had gone to bed already and uh, i was standing in. we had a, a room where you if you came out of the garage into the house there was a small room that we called the mud room and it had a, a utility tub a washer dryer and a closet and uh, that's where we fed the cats we had a, a couple cats and uh, that's where we fed them and everything. And uh, their litter box was in the closet there and whatnot. So I'm standing there getting ready to put some food in the cat's dish. And the dryer door opened by itself. And I thought, okay, I have never, I know how a dryer door latches. I've never seen a dryer door open by itself. That's weird, you know. I mean, I did think it is weird, you know. And um, so sometime later, you know, little things would happen here and there that were just strange. Like what, like if you could remember, like just you mean like things like that, like like things opening, closing, things turning on and off, uh, electrical shortages, uh, it ch ch changes in temperature, like coldness and stuff well, like that. Or a whole bunch, a whole bunch of things started by, by the time, you know, I ended up there by myself. It was like all hell was breaking loose a lot of the time. Not, not, not constantly 24 seven, but there were, there were times when stuff happened that would blow your mind. Like this is impossible that this happened, you know, but it did, you know, yeah. I'll give you an example. Another, another night, this was a little while later, you know, sometime after that, I'm in the mud room again. And, um, it, my wife's already gone to bed and I'm feeding the cats again. And I put food in the dish. And at this time we had a, a big tabby cat named Moses. And we had a little kitten that was a calico and her name was Zoe. And Zoe was, all, her whole life, she was very tiny, just as cute as can be and really tiny. So as a kitten, she was really little. And so I put food in their dish and Zoe comes running in and runs over to the dish and starts eating. So I put the bag of food back in the closet and I looked right at her sitting there eating. And I thought, how cute. I walked out of that room. I walked through the house, walked into the foyer, through the foyer, turned to go up the stairs 
and there was Zoe on the top step sitting there staring at me. And I thought, oh my God, I thought that's impossible. She can't be sitting there staring at me. She she's in the mud room eating, you know, and she was sitting there like she was pretty comfortable, like she'd been there a while. So I, I thought that had to be Moses. I, how did I mix them up? She's way smaller than him. She's colored different than him, but it had to be Moses. So I walked up the stairs. I walked past her, uh, across the landing, opened a bedroom door, and there was Moses sleeping on the bed with my wife. So I was like, okay, this is crazy. So, you know, the next day or so, I, I told her, I said, I have to tell you something. I don't want you to think I'm crazy, but I have to tell you this. And I told her what happened. And she started going, don't even tell me that. Don't even tell me that. And I thought she was going to say, you are crazy, you know. And then she said, there are times when I'm home alone and you and I'm downstairs on the, the elliptical. We had a workout room in the basement. We did not allow the cats in the basement because I didn't want them having a dumbbell roll over on them or whatever. You know, there was no reason for them to be down there. So they were not allowed down there. And uh, she said, there's times when you're at work, I'm alone, I'm downstairs on the elliptical, and I will swear that I see Moses run past out of the corner of my eye, and I think there's Moses. And then I remember he's upstairs, the door's shut, he's not even down here. So at that point, I was like, okay, something's wrong, you know? And we both started, now, when we were dating, we went and watched a movie with some friends one time in a movie with Scream, and she was furious because she hates scary movies, couldn't stand watching them. It creeped her out. Well, we both started watching Ghost Hunters and uh, A Haunting. You know, this is in the early, you know, 2000, early 2000s, you know, and uh, it was like, we both began developing this interest because it was like, something's not right here, you know? And for me personally, I can say like, at least with ghost hunters, like they were proving there was paranormal activity was real. These things do happen. We have video of it and things like that, you know? So I was like, at least that gives me peace of mind that I'm not crazy. And these things really happen, you know? But as it wore on, we started not getting along at all. Um, ended up, uh, there's several things that happened while she was still there that were just so creepy. Um, I'll tell you a couple of them. Well, one of them, um, when we were having marriage problems, we had gone to marriage counseling. We came home that night and we were watching a haunting and we're in what we called the great room. It was a living room with a vaulted ceiling and a fireplace. And there was on, if you're standing there looking into the room on the left-hand side is the couch the coffee tables in front of the couch on it, like right in front of you. If you're standing, looking into the room, there's a love seat with the back of the love seat towards you. And then an ottoman to put your feet up on. And then fireplaces to the right and straight ahead is the fire is the uh, TV. So I'm laying on the couch and she's sitting on the love seat using the ottoman. And uh, it's the weirdest thing. I felt her presence leave the room. Like, you know, when you're alone, you know, when there's somebody in the room with you, it's like, I knew she was there, but it was like, all of a sudden where I'm laying, I'm slightly ahead of her. So unless I turn around and look at her, look to my right and behind me, you know, I can't, I'm not looking right at her. So I'm looking at the TV and I felt her presence leave. 
And, and I was like, but I didn't hear her get up. I'm thinking this to myself. I didn't hear her get up. If she got up, I would have seen her out of the corner of my eye. But she's, I feel she's not here. And so I made a comment about the TV show. She didn't answer me. I asked her another question about the TV show. She didn't answer me. I turned around and looked at her. And she was sitting there. Her head was back. Her eyes and her mouth are wide open. Oh, my God. It's the creepiest looking thing you can imagine. And I said, hey, are you okay? I called her by name. And she like snapped out of it, like shook her head even and looked at me. And she said, yeah, I'm okay. Why? Now, at this point, we were not getting along. And she was acting very condescending a lot of the time. That's how she answered me. And I said, I just asked you a question twice. And you, or maybe been three times by the time it was all done. I asked her repeatedly. And I said, you didn't even respond and then she got this real bewildered look on her face and she said i didn't even hear you it was like she was not there it was crazy well what do, you think, do you think these entities can like um masquerade as humans and they can create like body doubles and stuff and, well, and even no that's, that, that's what a doppelganger is that's what a doppelganger is and absolutely i got a story about that i have a that's story awesome. about that as well yeah, absolutely yeah, um, but uh, I do believe that was her. I believe she was coming under the influence of it, and uh, it had, and it was like she had gone somewhere else. I mean, it was it was very, it was very creepy. Well, another time I get up, my alarm clock will not turn off. I'm hitting every button. It's just ringing and ringing and ringing. And we had at that point, she and I had discussed um, repeatedly we had discussed that we did believe the house was haunted. We even told her dad, he stopped out out of the blue one Sunday afternoon and we were watching ghost hunters. There was like a string of them one on a Sunday afternoon. And um, so this would have been in the summer of 2006. And we told him something's not right here. We have uh, very strange things happening in the house, you know? Well, at that point though, when the alarm clock won't turn off that day, I said, come here, I want you to see this for yourself. And she walked in and acted like I was the biggest idiot in the world. You don't know how to turn off an alarm clock. I said, I hit every button. I switched. I flipped every switch. It will not turn off. She grabs it out of my hand. She does everything that I just did. The alarm clock will not turn off. She reaches over and unplugs it. And she's standing there with, a, I mean, a freaked out look on her face. And she said, okay, that was strange. I said, yeah, I told you, you know, well, as it turned out, then we ended up going through a divorce and um, she left. I came home in in October of 2006. I came home one Saturday night and she was gone. And I mean, gone, gone. And um, a few days later, I finally was able to, to reach her. And here's the strange part. You know, at that time, we were not getting along. I really didn't want a divorce. And I would... Uh, I'd stay up almost all night praying because I was, I would be downstairs on the couch in the live in the great room. And, um, I'd be down there praying and uh, I would often feel like somebody was watching me when I was doing that. You know, it was very strange. Well, when I finally got a hold of her, she told me that the night before at three o'clock in the morning, she said she heard someone ring the doorbell and let themselves in the house. And I'm thinking, what? That never happened. I, I said, somebody would have, if, if somebody rang the doorbell, I would have heard it. I was on, on the first floor in the living room. And I said, and I certainly didn't let anybody in the house. 
And then she was like, well, I know what I heard. And the thing was, I got to thinking, you know, she never did accuse me of letting them in. That's what I thought she was saying, but she didn't. She said they let themselves in the house. And I said, that could not have happened. That's, that's crazy. It didn't happen. Now, keep in mind, the Sunday before that, um, we were not getting along. And she said she was going to some festival or something. And I said, well, I'm going to stay here and I'm anointing the entire property in the house with anointing oil. And that meant that that's a step of deliverance. Um, but again, it's, it's an early step. You know, sometimes that's what somebody would call a blessing when you bless a property. Well, I went out and I did all that. But when I, when I told her that she got very angry and she said, um, you go right ahead. If you, if you when, when I get home, you'll be the one laying on the floor. And I said, I don't think so. Cause I've already been doing it. You just didn't know it. Well, when she left, I not only anointed the, the property, I anointed the inside of the house. And without her knowledge, I went up and I anointed the, her side of the bedpost without her knowing I did it, put a cross on it and said, I anoint this in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. I think that probably played into, um, when she left. Uh, there were multiple strange incidents during that time as well before she left that um, she would be sleeping and I would have the TV on two different times this happened. And um, and I was trying to study uh, deliverance and exorcism because I wanted to help us. You know, I wanted to do something to help the situation. One night I was watching a Benny Hinn. He's an evangelist on TV a lot. A lot of people don't like him. It, that's that's fine, whatever. But I've heard him say things that were helpful to me at different times. And I was watching him because I was desperate for information. And he was talking about casting out demons. And he said that when someone has a demon in them, you have to get them to repent of if they did something that brought that demon, gave that demon a, a legal right to come into them. And he said, and after they repent, you say, come out in Jesus name. When he said, come out in Jesus name, she's sleeping Never woke up, but she started squirming like crazy in the bed. About a week later, I'm watching a haunting. Um, and I have the TV turned down, so it's not like that's waking her up or anything, you know. But, you know, you hear in your subconscious when you're sleeping. You still yeah. Okay, so I'm watching a haunting. And it was a story about a little boy that got possessed. And if you go back to season, it was on in 2006. I'm sure you can find the episode. But the uh, the during that episode, there was a priest trying to cast the demon out of this little boy. And the priest said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out. And same thing. She started squirming in the bed, never woke up, was like squirming. It was a very strange situation. And I was like, man, she's got something going on here, you know. Well, then so she ends up. Being, she was possessed. Was, you, was that with this? Was she possessed? And was it by something that was like occupying your house? Um. I, I, I let people draw their own conclusion on that. I have my opinion and what I fully believe is true. Um, and I'm going to say this. I believe everybody has issues of some type. And when you go into that environment, whatever your issues are, are going to be exploited. Wherever you have a weakness or you have a tendency to be weak in some way, or maybe you're fly off the handle or something like that, that's going to be exploited because that's what demons do. And they turn everybody against each other. So any issues she had pre-existing going in there were, were just amplified. So it definitely made the whole situation worse. But oh, um, wow. after she left then and all that, I was like, 
you know, I, I personally think she was cheating on me. I actually had some Amish people tell me, yeah, when I went and told the neighbors that we were getting a divorce, they said, yeah, we know. They said, um, it's kind of interesting. The mailman had told them my personal business because she had gone to the post office and changed her address, which she shouldn't have been telling that, but whatever. And then they said, but we already knew because when you would leave and go to work, uh, other people would come to the house that we'd see cars showing up after you left. And I said, she'd have other, I said, she'd have other guys there. And they said, yes. I'm sorry, man. That sucks. That's horrible. Oh, it it did. It did. Believe me. But um, the thing was, I was like, all right, whatever, you know. And but at that point, I was like, okay, so she brought all this stuff into the house. And it was funny because we had always had this huge coffee table Bible that a couple of our friends got us when we got married. And during that period, when all that was going on, she took that Bible, would not have it in on the table in the living room. She'd put it in the office on a bookshelf away from everybody. I'm thinking, well, if she had guys coming to the house, I'm sure she didn't want a Bible laying out, you know, but um, kind of interesting. I thought, well, she brought that on us. That's why there were things happening in the house. And it really seemed like that was true from October until February. The divorce was final February 1st. So now I'm, I'm there, you know, by myself. I assumed all marital debt. I kept the house. And my plan was I knew that the property values had skyrocketed since we bought it. And I knew that the house was worth way more than what we paid to have it built. So my goal was I'm going to sell the house and take the equity and buy another house and move away, whatever, you know. So I'm there by myself and I'm thinking, well, that was all, all those issues were because of her, you know. Well, February 11th of that year, I found out, yeah, there's more to this, you know. Um, I woke up. It was a Sunday afternoon. We had gotten a substantial amount of snow beginning on Friday night. I brought, we had a, a huge kennel behind the house that I had built. We had two dogs and uh, both of these dogs just showed up at our house. They were strays. I think they had both been abused by the Amish. One was a Rottweiler. One was a Beagle. And, and uh, to me, they were just like, the most awesome dogs. I just thought the world of them. I mean, they were like my kids and they were named Maggie and Copper. And Maggie was the Rottweiler and Copper was a little beagle. And uh, so I brought them into the garage and I had dog cages in there for them and I'd get them out and feed them and take them for walks or whatever. But it snowed like crazy. Okay. So on Sunday, oh. there, the snow is very deep. And um, I, I wake up though and the house is freezing. And I'm like, what in the world, you know? And, and I thought I'm not out of propane. I can't be, I just checked the tank last week and it was at 40% and it's a thousand gallon tank. And then I started thinking, well, what if the needle on the gauge stuck and I was really lower than that and didn't know it. So I'm trying to rationalize why the house is freezing. So I called my propane supplier and I told him what was going on. And he said, look, if you need propane, I'll bring it out, but I charge more because it's a off hours delivery. And he said, so before we get to that, he said, why don't you go outside and check the regulator on the side of your house? I don't even know what that means. So I'm like, well, okay. I don't know. I said, and I was on a cordless phone. So I walked out the patio door and I walked around the house and he, he described, told me right where the regulator was. And he said, there's, he said, uh, the, the, the tank was an underground tank. So there was a pipe coming out of the ground that came up from underground went into the regulator and then went into the house and then went to the furnace. 
Well, on that pipe coming out of the ground, there was a shutoff valve in case you had to shut off your propane. I never knew that. I never messed with it. I was you know, oblivious to that. Well, he's explaining to me that um, there's a vent on the regulator and it could be frozen over because of all this snow. And if it is, you just need to thaw that out and you'll be fine. So I'm trying to figure out what he's talking about. And I lean over and I gently push all the snow away from the pipe on the bottom of the regulator. When I do that, I can see the shutoff valve and it's turned sideways. But keep in mind, there's no footprints in the snow in that area at all because I had brought the dogs in on Friday. It snowed like crazy after that. There were no footprints except the ones I had just made. And see? I moved the snow. You know, I did not hit that shutoff valve. And as he's talking, explaining about this vent, I said, wait a second. I said, I, this arm on this pipe is turned sideways. He said, yeah, that's your shutoff valve. And he said, if it's turned sideways, that, that's the problem. Your propane got shut off. And I said, could it, and I said, this sounds stupid, but I said, could it have been installed wrong? He said, no, you can't install those wrong. And I said, well, I never touched this. And he said, okay, I believe you, but somebody did. And I said, you don't understand. I had heat last night and I said, um, this was, had to be shut off overnight and the snow's completely undisturbed. And he said, I can't explain that, but if you turn it straight up and down, you'll hear the gas go through the line and then go back in and light your pilot light. And he said, and you'll have heat. I turned the shutoff valve, opened it up. I heard the gas go through the pipe, just like he said. I went in, lit the pilot light, had heat. So how in the world did a shutoff valve under snow get turned off in the middle of the night and uh, the snow was completely undisturbed? That's so insane. I know. At that point, I knew, okay, all the things that were strange that have happened up to this point, this beyond all of that proves that your house is haunted, you know? And uh, that day I had multiple weird things happen. But as time wore on, I mean, it got to the point where like I was studying constantly. How do I get rid How do you cast out demons? How do you actually go about doing it? You know, and uh, it, the strange part was I had so many experiences like, you know, one story I tell a lot that it was it's really creepy. I mean, I was uh, standing at my kitchen sink in the middle of the night and I was drinking. Uh, I always drink apple cider uh, vinegar mixed with uh, with a cup of cold water before I went to bed. And uh, I'm standing. OK, there's an overhead light that's in, in the kitchen that's behind me on the ceiling. And I'm looking at the window right behind the sink and there's no curtains over it. It's pitch black outside. It's light inside. So when I look at the window, I, it's almost like a mirror. I can see my reflection plain as day. And so I mix up this concoction of the apple cider vinegar and water. I go to take a drink and I tip my head back. My eyes just naturally fall straight ahead on the window. When I looked at the window, I saw over my shoulder, it was my left shoulder, I saw a like a, a dark, it, it was like a black mass, but it was like a person was standing there, it was all black, like behind my left shoulder. And it, when I saw it, it disappeared, like it, it went down very quickly and disappeared. I knew what I saw. Um, as it turned out, other people had, had even saw that in the house. It wasn't just me. You know, um, I mean, it, it was it was unbelievable, you know, the, the things that would, would happen. 
but uh, there, there were so many experiences and it got to the point where, okay, so I'm learning how to deal with demons, but it's like, it's mocking me. You know, it, it got to the point where I was even contacted by people that said, um, I think I have a demon and it would start talking to me and tell me why they thought they had one. And I would be like, yeah, you got one, you know, and I would end up going and casting out, casting demons out of them. And, and then I would go home and I would be like, how can I cast a demon out of a person, but I can't even deal with my own house. This doesn't make sense. And, um, and I would honest to God, imagine going home to that environment where all these creepy things are happening and you just did an exorcism, which is a pretty intense experience in and of itself. And uh, you're laying there like me. I'm sure there's some demons that really want to tear me apart right now because of what I did earlier. And I'm here alone in this house that's infested. And I would honest to God, I would, the only way I could sleep was I would take my Bible. I would leave it open on my chest and I would sleep on my back with my Bible on my chest. I mean, that was the only thing that gave me peace, you know. There I, yeah, I'm not real religious, but I believe like real spirituality can help you if you, no matter what religion you are, you know, I, I really believe that. I think like when you're dealing with these things, but these things I hear, I heard from some people, they're even outside of that. They're like so ancient that they're like, you know, yeah. they know everything, right? Like that's yeah, what yeah, I heard. Like my, my belief on them, and I even differ from some people in the church, but I can't find anything biblical that follows their view. What I believe is the demon fallen angels and they're, they're all over. I, I mean, the Bible is very clear at, at some point in the past, there was a war fought in heaven and it says the dragon meaning Satan and his angels or said Michael and his angels fought and the dragon and his angels fought and prevailed not. And there was no more place for them found in heaven. So they were, and it says where they were cast, you know, where they were cast to was the earth. So the earth well, yeah. realm, well, the they, earth. doesn't the, the, the book of Enoch, if you get into the book of Enoch, which they don't talk about in the regular um, canon, but yep. you have to go outside of that and read. I have the book of Enoch. I have it saved on my yep. computer because I find it so compelling because I feel like that was the Anunnaki. And, and you know, the stories, the Anunnaki that we yep. hear yep. about. And then they came down to take earth wives. They thought earth women were hot for some reason. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. The and they wanted they yeah, wanted some of that. And they did. Yeah. They, they decided to leave wherever heaven another dimension whatever you want to call it and come down here and get earth ass and like that just set everything apart they taught us everything right <laughs> well the thing is that that is where to me i don't know why the book of enoch and all that was removed from the bible but i i got a feeling something got corrupted somewhere but the bottom line is this that's also why the flood happened you know god dealt with it um, the devil's not going to give up, though, because we're in a war all the way up till the end, you know, but it's a spiritual war, I say that, you know, I, I don't I have I can tell you this. I have never seen a legitimate exorcist ever address a demon. And I have never done it. Address a demon as a Nephilim because they're not. They're fallen angels. And when you acknowledge when you call them that, they acknowledge very clearly and plainly that that is exactly what they are. And the, the thing about it is. Okay, think about that. They're, okay, they were cast to the earth. What is the earth? Okay, so here's what you have with the earth. You have the earth that we live on, the, 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 the surface where humans live. You have hell in the belly of the earth. That's still the earth. You have the earth, which is the atmosphere around the earth. That's still the realm of the earth. So you have the, the demons and the principalities in the, in the atmosphere. You have demons on the, on the area where we live, the level where we live that 
uh, uh, pass themselves off as, you know, sometimes demons, ghosts, all kinds of things. And then in hell, you got demons tormenting souls. You got demons that are chained up um, that likely will be released during the tribulation period, things like that, you know. So that's the thing, though. But OK, so having said all that, yeah, they know everything. I mean, they know they knew who Jesus was as soon as they saw him. You know, if you read the Bible, they would see Jesus and they would freak out. I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Have you come to torment us before our time? You know, they know they're going to get judged, but they know it's not, it wasn't time yet. And, and you know, they did not. They were not happy to see him. I have but, a question. I have a question. Okay. How easy access do you think demons have on our society? Like, do you think uh, basic mental illness or, you know, like even schizophrenia can be explained with demon like uh, being possessed by demons like so for in other words like you know aliens abduct people and that's a form of some kind of torture then demons possess people that's some kind of torture but this would be like another type of spiritual warfare it's like psychological spiritual warfare oh, yeah. where like they're in your head you know what i'm yes. saying yes. do you yes. believe that well here's here's the thing you have passages and 100 they can cause all kinds of mental illness they can cause all kinds of physical illness um, they can, you can have a demon and the demon gives you cancer. I'm not saying every cancer is a demon. It's not. But a demon can give you all kinds of disease, sickness, mental illness. That's scriptural. Um, at one point, uh, King Saul was possessed by a demon and he was like crawling around on the ground like an animal, you know. So it, it is scriptural. But there also are passages in the Bible where the people brought uh, the sick and the demon possessed to Jesus and he healed all of them. Okay. And it says, and it mentions in there, even the lunatics. He healed the lunatics. So there's people that have something wrong in their brain. And it is it is a biological thing. There's a chemical imbalance. So there is something. Now, here's what I will say about that, though. The devil doesn't play fair. If you're that person that has that, in my opinion, the devil's not going to leave you alone. He's going to mess with you worse because he figures you're vulnerable. And he, he's not nice. He's not yeah. nice. He's not going to have pity on you. He's going to mess with you even worse. Look at when people go through traumatic events. When any human being goes through a traumatic event, they are de they, they get so tormented by demons um, after that because the demons hate mankind. We're made in God's image and they hate us. So when, they love suffering. So when a human being goes through suffering, they're going to be tested big time. The demons are going to come after them and test them. Try it's almost like they feed off our energy, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Negative, negative emotions, fear, anything. They feed on anything negative. Um, but they definitely do know. And I'll tell you another one. You get, you get demons that come along with generational curses. Those demons have been in a person's bloodline and their ancestry for, for generations and generations. They yeah. know every weakness. They know all your ancestors. They know you. They know where you're going to be inclined to have an issue, where you could be possibly tempted to fall. And that's where they're coming after you. They don't play fair, you know. And, you, and that's what they curse, do. Sorry, I mean, uh, you have a curse associated with your case too, right? Yes. Absolutely. What's up with that? And did I have to deal with the Amish? And what, what would, that sounds so interesting. There was multiple issues. Okay. So, yes, I come to find out in the middle of all this, that terrible stuff uh, that, my Amish neighbors were, and I'm sorry, you know, people, but I, when I wrote the first edition of Nightmare in Holmes County, I got ridiculed. People said I was a liar. The Amish don't do that, blah, blah, blah. Now it's come out. Oh no, he was right. And there's been 
all kinds of news articles uh, on on the news on TV about all the child molestation, the abuse. All it's a it's there's terrible abuse that goes on in that community. Now I'm not saying they all do it, but I'm saying it's prevalent. It is, and the incest is prevalent. There have been all kinds of, of stories about this from people that left the Amish and talked that, that told, you know. But they're also heavily into witchcraft and different forms of the occult. And in wait, some cases, wait, what, what kind of Amish witchcraft is this? And how does this differ from like, if you know, if, if you don't, it's fine. But how does this differ from like Wicca and, you know, regular witchcraft or even like Italian witchcraft, which they call Strega? Is this a whole different art that they so, brought over from their German ancestry or whatever? It, it, yeah, it's funny you would say that. It, it, there's going to be similarities in every form of witchcraft. There's always there always is going to be. Here, here's my my belief on this. There's two power. There's two sources of power on the earth. Um, spiritual power. I'm talking, and that's God and that's Satan. And you got all the good, all the good power. Everything good is on God's side. You know, that's the saints. That's the the angels. That's God. That's the Holy Spirit. You know, and Jesus, obviously. And then everything that's negative. And I'm I'm sorry. I'm going to say this. I believe, and I think you can. If you really look into it, you have to be like, he could very well be right. I, I believe 100% the alien abduction stuff, all of that is demonic. Because those demons, the principalities that are in the atmosphere are the most powerful demons. They are extremely powerful. Those are the ones manifesting as, look at this UFO stories. How does a craft disappear into thin air? How does it go from like light speed to stopping on a dime? That's not possible. Spiritual, spirits can do all kinds of things, though. Um, you know, so I do believe that. And, and another thing, there's been many cases of people going through the alien abduction that said Jesus and it all stopped, you know, be out of fear. They were terrified and they said Jesus and these things stopped. So I, my, my opinion, I 100 percent believe that all of it is. And it's all part of the deception um, that's leading us right into the end times. And uh, all so the you're, you're time like along the lines of what L.A. Marzulli thinks, right? That's like a, I've had L.A. on my show. Very, he thinks in that very similar. Yes. Very similar to this. Uh, basically, it's the same. You know, I don't get in. Like I said, I don't get into all the Nephilim stuff, whatever. But I mean, I do believe that is all the same thing. And it's 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 demonic, you know. Well, and well, um, but but I will say that as far as the differences in the different forms, I think there's similarities in all of them. But. One of the main forms of witchcraft that they practice, and I have their book, and they'll deny this. They'll deny they know anything about this book, but they do. And I have a copy of it somebody sent me, and uh, I don't even keep it in my house. It's in a safety deposit box because I don't want it in my house. It's a witchcraft book, but um, it's called Pow Wow or Long Lost Friend is the name of the book. Sounds pretty innocent, right? Well, when you get into it, it's, it's all kinds of ways to charm spirits. To a lot of it's like, oh, do this for good luck or do this if this happens or that happens. And some of it's like take a dove and cut its throat and drink its blood if you have epilepsy. Stuff like that. Like it's 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 messed up stuff. Take but, a dove and cut its blood. Wait, what? Cut a dove, take a dove, cut its throat and drink its blood if you have epilepsy and it'll cure you of epilepsy. It's a bunch of nonsense, and it's stuff that the Bible says not. <laughs> that sounds completely insane. I believe it, though. I believe they have some weird shit, right? I mean, you know, I, I totally, totally believe it. And and I'll tell you another thing. There, there's a a, a it was a best selling book uh, called um, Hex, and it's it's written from the court transcripts of a real case where these two powwowers 
um, believed that this other powwower put a curse on them. And they powwow is their magic form, right? That's their name of their magic form. That powwow, powwow is the form of the magic they practice. And what it actually is, because you, you brought up a good point, powwow is a, a mixture of ger old world, meaning German, and the countries they came from, witchcraft, and witchcraft that the American Indians were done. And when they came here and they were friends with the Indians, they mixed all their stuff with their together with their stuff, you know. So um, that's basically it. But th these two witches went out and murdered this other witch because they thought the only way to stop this curse is to kill him. And uh, so they murdered him and lit his house on fire and took off. And the fire ran out and the authorities solved the case and found them both guilty. They were put on trial. They were found guilty of murder. And uh, it's a true story. I mean, wow. this, this stuff that they get into, it is it is very messed up. And, I used uh, to watch that show on Discovery Channel. It was called Amish Mafia. Do you remember that? It was hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's true. But they, they really portrayed the Amish in a way that you weren't used to seeing. And I know there's the Mennonites that they're allowed to drive and do certain stuff. Yeah. It's a fascinating culture but because, because it's so weird, you know? Like. Yeah. I, I don't I don't see anything normal in that culture. It's just so suppressed and it's just it's very weird. I mean, I don't want to talk bad about anybody. I, you know, I, but I, I just yeah. at the same time it's I just find it very bizarre. Well, and I, I feel like if anything's that repressed, you're holding a lot of secrets. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I can tell you I can tell you things that I know for a fact. I lived there from 2002 to 2010. And now I never went to their churches. I had people tell me this stuff that were reliable sources and I had people that had left the Amish that came and told me things. But um, one was the one church near me. They practiced witchcraft in the church. They were there was witches, multiple witches around me, and they all hated me. Once that house went up for sale, they wanted it, and they wanted all my property. I had six acres, and it was beautiful land surrounded by farms. They wanted it, and so they were cursing me. When they were done all their stuff, they were putting curses on me. Now a lot of people will say, "Well, if you're a Christian, a curse can't have any effect on you." Okay, but. Keep in mind a couple of things. Number one, I just went through a divorce. So I was, I was a wreck, you know, number two, they know what they're doing. They will come and they will provoke you to the point you want to beat their heads in. You want to mess them up. Okay. As soon as you feel like that, when they go home and curse you, guess what? It's working because you are feeling hatred for that person and you want to hurt them. And I had multiple incidents where they would trespass, do all these things to provoke me. And every single time when they provoke me to the point of a fight, they back down. I was outnumbered one time, I think five to one. And I really wanted to fight. I was so fed up with them. And they all, they were cussing at me in this truck. It was a driver and then like three other Amish guys and then a Mennonite kid in a car. And they were swearing at me. And I was like, oh, that's so scary. You know how to cuss. I said, if you want to fight and back up that language, get out of the car. And, I, and they wouldn't do it, you know. And I really, I, there's no doubt in my mind somebody would have, been very badly hurt and i i didn't care you know when you have that mindset you're very vulnerable spiritually and that's i was putting up with things from them constantly so i was ripe for the pickings you know yeah i go home at night and i repent because i start feeling bad about it and i ask god to forgive me of it but the bottom line is when you're when you're a yo-yo like that you're just back and forth you end up it the stuff it can have an effect on you so yeah. that definitely did. But as I as I come to find out, um, I wasn't just dealing with that. There was also, I found out in late 2009, um, there it was like a series of events happened 
that I believe was divine intervention. And I believe now looking back, I know why it took me so long before I found out what I needed to know to, to get rid of this. But um, I, through a series of events, I ended up, um, I did some things where I felt God tested me and I was obedient. And, and things that were basically prophesied to me, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. They happened. And I came in fa- I came in contact with an old friend. One of the things I was told was that I would have favor with people that could change my situation. And uh, so I ended up coming in contact with a girl I knew from grade school. Hadn't talked to her in years. And uh, she sent me a Facebook friend request one night and I accepted it. And then she sends me a message. Hey, how you doing? Whatever. And we started talking. And I knew that she was a Christian because I had seen her around a few times and she always, I'd see her, she'd have a Christian t-shirt on or something. So I knew. And I said, no, I, I, you're a Christian, aren't you? And she said, yeah. And I said, look, and at this point I was at wit's end. I wasn't ashamed to say I lived in a haunted house. I didn't care if you thought I was crazy, but what I was going through, I had to vent sometimes, you know? And I said, you're, you're more than welcome to think I'm crazy, but I'm going through some stuff out here. And she said, here's my phone number. Call me. So I called her and she said, uh, tell me what's going on. So I, I explained everything. And she says, where's your house? And I said, Holmes County. She said, we're at in Holmes County. I, I described the area. She said, well, that's funny because my husband was adopted by an Amish family, but never joined the church. And she said, I'm pretty sure he grew up right by you. And she said, I'm going to talk to him and see if he knows anything that can help you. And she said, I believe what you're saying because we've had experiences before too. So a few days later, they called me back and, uh, her name's Angela. And Angela said, uh, Dennis wants to talk to you. And I said, okay. So she puts him on the phone and he said, uh, Angie tells me that you think that your neighbors are practicing witchcraft against you. And I said, yeah, I do. And he said, well, I'm sure that's true, but you have a bigger problem than that. And I said, he knew, he knew. I said, what's the problem? Cause I'm thinking what's bigger than that, you know? And he said, you ever hear of the Greenville Treaty? I said, no. He said, well, the treaty line runs right by your house and it might even be on your property. And he said, go look this all up. I'm telling you, it's all true. And he said, the treaty line is right by your house. And he said, when the Indians didn't abide by the treaty and they got rounded up and shipped out uh, onto reservations, because they lost the land, they cursed everything. And he said, you came along years later and you built your house on cursed land. And he said, yeah, he said the Amish know it. And he said, they told me because that's where I grew up. But he said, they'll never tell you this. So as it turned out, I mean, I'm leaving out many, many, many horrific experiences I had during that time because there's not, you know, time doesn't permit to tell everything. There were so many like horrific experiences in that house, but um, you put them all in your books, right? If yes, people they're all in the books. Yeah, I put yeah. in great detail. And, okay. Um, as it turned out in December, now keep in mind, I had even tried to have a church come out there. And I'll tell you a couple of things that happened when the church came. Having this, these people from this church come was kind of fruitless, I'll say, except for one point. They didn't know what they were doing and they wouldn't listen to what I was trying to tell them. They had... That's it's dangerous. If you have misconceptions about spiritual warfare, you're usually more harm than good. And that's kind of what it was, except 
the one lady that came with that group told me, she said, I have a group, a, a spiritual gift called discerning of spirits. And she said, um, I will tell you anything I, I, you know, find out when I'm, when I, when I'm there, I'll, 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 whatever happens, I'll tell you. So when they came in, like a psychic Christian, is that what it sounds like? What's that? It sounds like she was like a psychic, but a Christian. Well, here's the thing. There are spiritual gifts that Christians can have. And I believe I have it to a point too, but it wasn't working in that situation for me. I, I needed help elsewhere, but it, it's called discerning of spirits. It's called discernment. It's called a gift of knowledge. There's been many times I knew things, even during deliverances, during an exorcism, I would know something I had no way of knowing, and it would be dead on accurate. And it's just because the Holy Spirit tells you those things. But, but do you believe they, in psi? I'm sorry. Do you believe? I just wanted to ask. Do you believe in like psi or psychic abilities? Like like psi research? It's like clairvoyance, clairaudience, psychic. Yeah, I, yeah I, it's all it's all legit. It, the the difference is, I think you have to be really careful where what your source of the the ability comes from, because yeah, yeah. You, you know you can have that, and it's not the demons know what happened too, and they can tell you all kinds of things. So you have to be very careful. If it's a spiritual gift from God, ultimately it's always going to be used for God. It's always going to be used to help somebody and point them to God or get them delivered or whatever, you know, it's always going to have that angle on it. But um, the interesting part, when this, when this group came to the house, uh, they came in and we all, we stood in the area where once had been the dining room table, you know, it was gone now after the divorce, but we're standing there and we're praying. And that lady says, I know its name. It's telling me its name. Do you want to know its name? And I said, yeah, what's its name? And she said, it calls itself the doorkeeper. Now, after she told me that, that was the main, the main beneficial thing of the whole incident with that group coming, that was a huge puzzle piece because you know what? Remember the story? My ex-wife, the night before she left, she said that she heard someone ring the doorbell and then let themselves in the house. There were a whole bunch of experiences that are outlined in the book of all kinds of paranormal activity in the foyer. The doorbell ringing by itself, nobody was there. Um, th this is a whole nother incident I'm talking about. There were people at the house with me and they said, aren't you going to go get your doorbell? I didn't, I was teaching them guitar lessons. And I said, is that what that noise was? They said, yes, yeah, somebody's ringing your doorbell. I go right to the door. There's nobody. Um, one time I saw a, a, a shadow cross uh, the window or go across the window. Like just when somebody walked in front of the porch and to come up onto the porch, there was nobody there. You know, there's many, many, I would hear noises in the foyer. Um, scratching in the wall in the foyer, you know, all kinds of stories like this that are all in the book, all these different ones. But when she said that, I was like, okay, that makes sense. I, I was aware that in cases of exorcism with a person, you're always going to run into a gatekeeper demon. There's going to be one demon that its function in that person's life is controlling the gate that brings in more demons or whatever, you know? And uh, so I was familiar with that, but she said this thing calls itself the doorkeeper. And That's she did yeah, she didn't know all my stories, you know, and she's telling me that. And uh, at that point, it all made sense. And, you know, um, it's funny, speaking of psychics, there was a lady that when I wrote my first book, uh, the first edition of 225th Street, her and her boyfriend had a radio show. 
and they had me on the program and they were very respectful to my views, very nice people, but they were both into the psychic stuff and everything. Very respectful to me though. And, and uh, years later, you know, I, I was still friends with, I'd say acquaintances, you know, we'd chat here or there. And I said, Hey, I'm writing my next book. And I said, I'm just asking your opinion on something. Is this, do you think I should put this picture in the book? And it was a picture of the front door. And there was a residue that had formed on the front door that to me, I always felt like I saw a face in the residue. And that's what it was a picture of. And I said, she said, well, let me see it. I'll, I'll give you my opinion. I sent her the picture and she started like freaking out. She said, that door is a portal. Now she did not know everything about this house like this. Oh my God. So to speak. And um, she, and I said, why do you say that? And she said, I said, I just was asking your opinion about the picture, you know? And she said, no, the door is a portal. She said, when I looked at that picture, I could see uh, spirits going in and out. And I said, what did it look like? She said, it looked like orbs going in and out, in and out. She said, that door is a portal. Oh, wow. The other inter interesting thing, the basement wall below that door, shortly after the house was built, that wall cracked from top to bottom. It was repaired. And it would just keep doing that. You know, so, and that lady that told me about the doorkeeper, she goes downstairs. She said, can I get down in your basement? And I said, yeah, we go downstairs. And she walks right up to that crack. Now, the way the house was laid out, you wouldn't just really think about what where things were upstairs when you were in the basement, you know. She walks right over to that crack and she said, what's above this uh, on the first floor? This crack is significant. What's above this? And I said, the front door. She said, I knew it. She goes upstairs. After she told me about the doorkeeper thing, she goes upstairs and she said, she waved her hand back and forth like this in front of the door. And she said, they come and go right through here. That's what that lady that was a Christian that came from that church told me. Well, years later, you know, this lady I knew that happened to dabble in the, the psychic stuff, you know, she straight up told me, she said, they come and go out of there. That's a portal, you know? And I was like, man, that's messed up because she did not know. And I wasn't even asking her about that. I was just saying, is it, should I put this picture in or not? You know, I like to try to bounce things off of other people to, you know, yeah. it's easy when you're writing a book to get, you know, painted in a corner. And you want to, you know, get feedback from other people sometimes, you know, but it was just yeah. interesting. She told me the exact same thing. And um, I'll tell you the, uh, you know, th through those experiences though, like I, there was a lot of stuff that went on during that fall leading up to the day that, you know, that group came and I did gain some knowledge and I had asked them repeatedly, will you please walk the property with me? Because I believe we have to take communion with the land. And I believe we have to anoint the entire property in, in agreement, all of us. And they wouldn't do it. Well, it rained out. We're not going to do it. And I was like, all right, whatever. I found out that one thing, and it's very powerful in a situation with a house, is taking communion with that land, with the property. And the reason I say that is, what, when I say that, what I'm talking about is take communion on that, on that in that area. But then not only eat the wafer, do the, drink the grape juice yourself. Pour that on the ground, put the wafer on the ground. And this is what I did. This is one of the many things I did the day of the exorcism. Me and Dennis and Angela did this ourselves. And we not only anointed everything, we were very much in agreement and very like adamant, you are leaving. In Jesus' name, you have to. I bind you. We know we, we renounced everything that we knew had happened there, even things we suspected happened there. 
which again, there's things I'm not getting into about people being killed on the property, you know, centuries ago, whatever, you know, so we were, you know, very much not taking no for an answer. But when we took the communion, I also, not only did we do that, and you know, when you take communion, that juice represents the blood of Christ and the wafer represents the body of Christ. And I said, there is nothing on this earth. There's no curse. There's no nothing that could be done that can stand against the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ defeated Satan. The shed blood of Christ defeated Satan. You can't stay here. You have to leave. And I poured the grape juice on the ground and I said, that represents the blood of Christ. I break these curses in Jesus name. You are leaving. And that's how we went about it. Me and the two of them did. And um, after that day, I never had paranormal activity. Within a couple months, or I'm sorry, within within two months of that day, um, I was moving out of the house. The house had sold. I was gone. Now, that house had been on the market two years and 10 months up till that point with no luck at selling it. Remember, the housing market collapsed during that time. You know, So I had a terrible time trying to sell it. But after we did the exorcism, the house sold like literally it was around the it was around the end of December when we did the uh, exorcism on the property and beginning of January. I'm like, you know what? If the house doesn't sell this year in 2010, I might lose everything I own because I can't keep paying this huge house payment indefinitely, you know. And um, I thought, well, I'm going to church. I'm going to just do my best. And I, I got in my vehicle and was going to back out of my garage on a Sunday night to go to a Sunday night Bible study. And uh, my realtor calls me and the tone of her voice was different than any other time I had talked to her. And she said, uh, there's a couple that contacted me about your house and they are really interested. The way the tone of her voice when she said it, it was like in my spirit, I was like, I think these these people are going to buy this place. I really and they did, you know, the whole the whole nightmare ended. All the activity stopped. We moved. <clears throat> Do you think that those people were paranormal? Did they want to, or did they, were they into the paranormal? Do you think they wanted it for paranormal reasons or did you have to disclose that to them? Or like, what, how did that work out? Well, no. So here's what happened. Um, they were Mennonites. And uh, it is funny because I'm standing on the front porch. At that point, the house isn't haunted. You know, um, I had heard from the Amish. Okay. So there was nobody ever killed in the house. That, that, that can't be disclosed. And um I knew, okay, this is done. This is over with her. These people wouldn't even be here. But the interesting part, the uh, I'm standing on the front porch when they're looking at the house. And the father, there's still an anointed anointing oil cross on the front door where I had taken anointing oil when I blessed the house and put this cross on there. And he's standing there and he turns around and looks at it and he goes, so what's that all about? And I said, I really needed this place to sell and we blessed the whole property. And he said, all right. You know, and that was the end of it, you know, but um, there's no doubt in my mind, the activity. And I knew at that point, if they ever have problems, it's something they opened up doors to themselves because I knew, you know, all, all the activity stopped after that. And the house wow. sold very quickly. Well, the interesting part then I, I moved to a new house. I'm scrambling because they weren't, they were kind of ruthless in the negotiating. I'll be honest with you. And yeah. uh, they did not give me much time to find another house. So the girl I was dating at that time, she said, hey, there's a house here over here in Tuscarawas County that I think could work for you. So we go look at it. And I was like, yeah, I think this house could work for me, you know, and, and I'm thinking me, my cats, my dogs, you know. So there's this house. It's a brick house with a huge fenced in yard. 
a massive garage beside the house that you could park two tour buses in and a another detached garage at the back of the property and i'm like this is perfect you know and it was a big old brick house so i move in i end up i'm going to buy that house the uh, the realtor says hey you can uh so you don't have to move all your belongings twice don't put them in storage just move into this house i already know your story i know your other house sold i know you got all that equity i know you're getting your mortgage so move in and when your mortgage uh closes we'll settle everything i said okay that was very nice so i move into this other house and i started writing nightmare in holmes county at that point so i'm i'm sitting in the office upstairs at this house writing nightmare in holmes county and i keep having strange things happen in this new house oh and god it's happening again yeah but i'm like there's no way anything followed me, which is a reasonable thing to wonder about. But I was like, there's no way something followed me because that situation is done. It's over. We, we won. It's done and over with. The devil was defeated. There's no way something followed me, but something's not right here. And I'll give you a couple examples of things that led me to feel that way. The first night I'm in the house, and again, this will kind of lean towards the your question about spiritual gifts or psychic ability, whatever. Okay. So, so I, uh, at this point, um, I'm in this house the first night I'm there and I'm in this little bedroom that I'd ended up not even choosing as my bedroom. It was across the hall from the room I chose and it was a smaller room. It was kind of L shaped. And, um, I was laying in the room, on the floor, I didn't even have my bed put together. So I'm laying there with my cats and I'm staring at this old closet door in the dark. You know, I, your eyes adjusted. I'm looking at the woodwork around the closet. And all of a sudden, it's like I heard a voice in my head say to me, you don't know anything about the history of this house. And then I thought to myself, that's true. I don't know anything about the history of this house. So I said a spiritual warfare type of prayer, very generic, because I knew nothing about this house. I just said, in Jesus' name, I renounce every sin that's ever happened here, and I cast the demons out. Something generic like that, I said. And I went to sleep, but I thought, man, that was odd. That was a strange thing to happen. So around a week or so later, my bedroom was all set up. My cousin had come, and he was an electrician, and he had... Uh, he had wired in like a satellite outlet in my bedroom and hooked up a satellite dish, things like that. And he did that right away when I first moved in. So my bedroom would be ready. And uh, I come home one night from work and I, I go upstairs and I open my bedroom door and my bed is sitting crooked. My bed is sitting different than the way I left it. And I thought, that's weird. And then I thought, well, my cousin was here. He was probably doing some work today here. And I bet he came upstairs and moved my bed to check that satellite plug or something like that. That's all it is. Um, you know, I'm sure that's it. There's nothing to worry about. I'm not going to be freaked out. There's no, there, That's all that happened. So I straightened my bed. I get in bed and I lay down, shut my eyes. And it was like, it was like I was had a vision. I believe this was a vision 
because it was like I was instantly standing outside my bedroom door looking down the staircase. And coming up the staircase is a hooded figure, which means that looks like a person in the shape of a person with a uh, black hooded cloak. They're wearing that with the hood up and they're coming up. It's coming up the stairs. And it looked like an old man. He looked like he had like the complexion of a dead person. He had a creepy grin on his face and he was like kind of hunched forward, a little bit round shouldered. And he's coming up the stairs with this creepy grin. And I opened my eyes and I thought, what in the world was that? You know, I'm not scared. Why would my mind be conjuring up these creepy images? I'm sure my cousin moved my bed there. You know, what in the world? I, I, you know, convinced myself it was nothing. I shut my eyes again. As soon as I did it, there I was outside the bedroom door, looking down the stairs, the hooded figures coming up the stairs. You know, this happened like three or four times in a row. So again, I said one of those generic spiritual warfare prayers. I shut my eyes, no more visions. I told four people that story. I told my mother, I told my best friend. I told that girl that I was dating and her oldest son. And so I, there's witnesses that I absolutely did say this, you know? Yeah. So strange things keep happening. And at one point I said to my mother, I said, I was talking to her on the phone one day and I said, if I didn't know any better, I would swear something followed me here from Holmes County because something's not right here. So the like the following weekend, my neighbor comes over one day, he lives like two houses down from me and he introduces himself and then he goes back home on Sunday afternoon, my mom and my sister and my brother-in-law stopped to see me and he comes back over and he's with the, the girl he was dating at that time. And um, he says, Hey, I want you to know you're welcome here in this community. If you ever need help, let us know. We all help each other around here. So if you need something, just let us know. And I said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And he said, well, that's the good news now for the bad news. And I knew exactly what he was going to say. And I said, you're going to tell me my house is haunted. And he, he, he looked at me, his eyes got big and his mouth dropped open like he was shocked. And he said, yeah, man, it is. Some dude killed himself in your basement a long time ago. And I turned around and I looked at my mom and I said, I told you so. And my sister standing there and she's saying, oh, no, not this again. What's he talking about? I hadn't told her this. And uh, my mom said, she goes, he told me that he thought something was going on here. And, um, and I thought at that time, OK, I said, look, I'm a Christian. I dealt with this before. We'll deal with it. And he said, well, he said, I have my neighbor says I have more to tell you, but it'll have to wait. And he goes back home. So I'm thinking, like, what in the world else does he have to tell me, you know? So at that point. I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that I was to put Nightmare in Holmes County on the back burner and I was to put all my energy into researching and writing a book about that house first. And that book was to be titled The Address of the House, which is 225th Street. That's and I knew I knew it. That's the name. That's the name. And it was like I knew it. That's how this is supposed to happen, you know. So I started. And now, originally, the first editions of these books, 225th Street was written first. And then, like three years later, Nightmare in Holmes County was released. When they were re-released as second editions, which they are now, which are, you know, 
greatly expanded. There's much more information because more has happened since that time. So there's a lot more information in the second editions, but um, they were rela- released in proper order in the second editions, Nightmare in Holmes County 1st, 225th Street 2nd. But originally they were not they were not. And I started, you know, tracking down anybody that had lived in that house. And, you know, I'm calling these people out of the blue. They don't know me. I don't know them. And I would introduce myself. I would give them my name and I would say, um, you have every right to think I'm crazy for what I'm going to say to you. But I have to ask you, you know, I'm buying this house that you used to live in. Did you ever have anything strange happen when you lived there? Without fail, they had stories. And these, I contacted multiple families. These families would each sell the house to somebody else and not tell them anything. So none of these families knew the other family's stories. And they're telling me, I know that, okay, these stories are just like the other family's stories. And they're like the experiences I'm now having in the house as well. So as it turned out, the incident with the hooded figure, um, when I went back and retraced everything, this is when I moved into the house. This was when this happened. And I tracked it down to that was March 1st, 2010, the night that I had the vision of the hooded figure coming up the stairs. And it looked I like it. one in the audience just said you're you're sensitive to ghosts. You're you you you, uh, you might be sensitive, like which means like that means like you attract them more to you. Like oh, you you might be yeah you know yeah I did, I, spiritual stuff. I definitely am, and they know when I, demons know it. I, I know they know it. You know it's it's uh, it makes life interesting. I'll put it like that. But um, so well, as it I turned think- out. The suicide was a 67-year-old man that built the house, and the suicide occurred on March 1st, 1958. The guy who killed himself looked like the old man in the hood coming up the stairs. It was not him. It was a demon. There was no question that it was a demon. And the other thing, so we tried an exorcism on that house. At this point, I had only contacted like one family that had lived there at this point. There was an old woman that had lived there before me. I had not yet contacted her at this point. While we're doing the exorcism, I'm standing upstairs on the landing outside the bedroom doors. And I'm standing for real in the spot where I was standing in the vision where I saw the hooded figure. But I'm really standing there at this point. And I'm with my my mother, my sister, my brother-in-law. And I'm praying and I have my eyes shut and I have another vision. And this vision is a guy around 30 years old with dark hair. He's a little bit shorter than me. I'm 6'4", so he's around 6 feet tall. I'm going to say 200 pounds or so, whatever, something like that. Medium build. And he comes up and he stares me down like he hates my guts. And I knew that what it was was something sizing me up. And I... I said to everyone present, I said, something just sized me up. It stared me down and then it spun around and disappeared down the staircase. I knew it was not a person. I knew it was demonic, but it appeared to be a guy 30 years old. That's what I said. I told everybody present. It looks like a guy 30 years old with brown hair, height, build, everything. Well, I later, that exorcism failed. And weird things happened while we tried to do it. 
um, the house got, I don't know if it was literally this cold or if it was what Ed Warren calls a psychic cold, meaning you feel a cold that's like bone chilling, even if the temperature hasn't dropped or if it had really dropped that much, but it was frigid. It was so uncomfortable and multiple strange events happened while we tried to do the exorcism. And as it turned out, a couple of things, I ended up, there was a very good reason why the exorcism was not successful, which I share all that in the book and I have photo evidence of it as well. But as it turns out, I was later given the number by a neighbor of the old woman that had lived there before me. And when I contacted her, I, you know, went through my spiel. I said, you know, this is my name. I'm living at this house she used to live in at 225th Street. Um, you, you have every right to think I'm crazy, but I have to ask you, did you ever have anything strange happen when you lived there? And she said, you better believe I did. She said, that place is so haunted. It's not even funny. And she starts telling me all this stuff. And I told her as we're talking, I mentioned, you know, she's telling me all these horrific stories. And I mentioned about when we tried to do the exorcism and I had this vision of a guy 30 years old. She said that, and she names her son. And she said, he died while he lived there. He was in a freak accident and died while he lived in the house. She said he moved in. He chose the bedroom upstairs to the left of the bathroom. Now keep in mind, that's the same bedroom I had used. That's the same bedroom that other families before me up to her had used. And the guy that killed himself used that bedroom. And um, she said that he had all kinds of experiences. He'd hear people walking in the attic at night and all kinds of things happened. And she said, and then he went out and got a motorcycle. His behavior changed. And he got a motorcycle and he kept riding it really fast and reckless. And he ended up dying on the motorcycle. And... I do not, she, we, me, we had many conversations. We both believe wholeheartedly that the accident came from the house. Um, we think that something there caused the accident and caused him to die. Now that sounds crazy, but I tracked down, I got the crash reports from the state patrol, everything. When I research this stuff, I go all out because I know I'm going to be called a liar. So I make sure I have all the evidence to prove what I'm saying. Yeah. But, um, the, the Christ report gave the names of the witnesses. There were people with him when he died that were riding motorcycles with him. And they said that they had warned him, stop. He was doing wheelies. And they said, stop trying to do wheelies until you have modifications made to your motorcycle because your motorcycle was not built for that. And you're going to start tank slapping, meaning the handlebars are out of control. And they said, whichever direction your wheel is facing, when you come down, you're going off the road and you're going to die. They said he rode down to the other end of that road, which was a limited access road. That's why they went there to ride. There was no traffic. And he was out of their sight. They heard him gun the engine, take off real fast. And then they heard a loud crash. They all went running down there. And he had been thrown over a football field's distance, well over a football field's distance in the air. The the creek beside the road was full of boulders. He was basically splattered all over the boulders. His oh, bone, my God. He literally broke almost every bone in his body. I, Sad to say, I have the autopsy reports. I have all this stuff. It, it made me completely sick. I felt bad for him. I felt terrible for his mother. It made me feel terrible. And, oh, yeah. and 
now here's the creepy part. His mother told me one time she was driving down the road while she lived in that house. And it was like something else took over the steering wheel of the car and jerked the car to the right. And there was a little girl walking to school and she almost hit the little girl. The little girl dove out of the way and she missed her. And she said, I kept thinking, what in the world is going on? I don't drive like this. She said the wheel felt like it was locked. It turned to the right and locked. I couldn't even pull it back. Well, that's kind of strange when you think of that. And then you think of this story with her son. And why would her son take those warnings that were so very serious that you're going to die? You're going to be hurt bad if you keep doing this and go do it. Did he do it? Was he just careless? Well, maybe, but maybe not because... Years later, okay, after I moved out of the house, I went back and tried to warn the people that bought the house after me and they didn't want to hear it. We don't believe in any of that. And I said, okay, that's fine. If you ever change your mind and you need help, let me know. Well, as it turns out, even after they moved out of the house, now keep in mind, every family that I had talked to that had lived there all felt that when they left the house, something followed them, okay? Yeah. So this lady, even after they moved out of the house, her son is in a, and he lived there too. He was in a motorcycle accident. Now keep in mind, she was a skeptic, didn't believe any of it. I contacted her and asked her about it. And I made a donation to the poor kid's uh, medical fund because the poor kid had a terrible accident. And her story she told me was, he was in a freak accident and uh, he was on a jump. He was on a dirt bike with his friends on a track. He went over a jump and in midair, the throttle stuck wide open. So he couldn't, when he came down, he knew he was in big trouble. The, the motorcycle sped off the road, hit a tree, threw him off. So he went flying through the air, just like the other guy, uh, hit a tree, broke 21 bones. He survived, but he was like badly, badly injured. I mean, he almost died. Well, you know what? We're gonna we got to do a part two because I I got another podcast in nine minutes. I need to take a break because we've been going a long time, and I'm gonna have to go right into another one. But this is this is fascinating. I, can we do a part two? Is that okay? I am fine with that. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, can you tell everybody where to find? And thank you, by the way. This was Absolutely. this was so fascinating. You don't even know. Like I, this is very compelling. Um. Can you tell everybody where to find the book, where to find your website or your Facebook or whatever you want to yeah. promote? Right Thank now, you. Yeah, right now I don't have a, a website. My, my books are published through um, Beyond the Fray Publishing. Uh, currently, that's who's publishing my books. Um, they are available on Amazon. They're, they're available in either paperback or Kindle downloads. Uh, I know you get the paperbacks very quickly when you order them, too, if you want paperbacks. But uh, the, the, the first book... Uh, is uh, there's, these are second editions again greatly expanded upon the first editions uh 220 the number 220 5th street and then the other book is nightmare in holmes county and both document those two houses and the spiritual warfare that i encountered while living there dude this was a, this was amazing thank you so much and uh we'll do this again very soon we, we got to hear the rest of the story we can't leave it like yeah, that's absolutely all right, but thanks. That, nice meeting you too. This, this was awesome. Right? 